Hi, and welcome back to the From Grief to Greatness podcast. I'm Gerard, and I'm here with Christy and John. And also, we have our friend Stu joining us today to share his story. Hi, I'm Christy. Hi, I'm John. Hi, I'm Stu. Okay, well, we're going to have John get things started for us. He's going to give us a quick introduction, and then we're going to get Stu's story started. Go ahead, John. All right, thank you, Gerard. Well, as Gerard said, today we have our first special guest joining the crew. His name is Stu. Gerard and I have known Stu for a long time. Stu and I first met as managers at a McDonald's when we were in college back last century in 1986. (laughs) Our experiences at McDonald's could be 10 podcasts unto themselves if we chose, but Stu and I have been there together over the years through many ups and downs. If you remember back to my podcast, part one, my Stu was there for me to drive me to the airport after I found out about my parents had been in a car accident in Georgia. Stu is a caring, decent man. Mm-hmm. He has been a great friend to me. He's also a loving husband. And without further ado, I'll hand things over to Stu and let him tell his story. Stu? Well, thank you for that very generous introduction. You're uh, on the 22nd of July, 2008, my 36-year-old wife, Cindy, committed suicide. Uh, We'd been married for 14 months. Cindy had been a writer for the New York City Press and the Village Voice, and she also worked as a pharmaceutical advertising editor for Young and Rubicam. Uh, She was... She was she was a beloved wife, daughter, sister, and best friend. Cindy suffered from treatment-resistant depression. Uh, she had tried numerous treatments, medications, and therapies, none of which seemed to help. She had uh, tried electroconvulsive therapy at one point. Uh, that did not help. Uh, Cindy was uh, a suicide survivor herself. At the age of 13, Cindy's father had committed suicide, and it had been Cindy who had found his body. So, uh, we had an apartment in New York City. Uh, She and I were staying there. We lived in Lakewood, New Jersey at the time. Uh, We were staying there so she could attend her best friend Lara's bachelorette party. Uh, which she went to uh, the morning after the party, she was showing me pictures from the party. And all of a sudden, for almost no reason at all, uh, she became extremely angry at me and told me that I had to leave. And I tried reasoning with her and said, I didn't want to leave. And, uh, Eventually, this thing escalated to the point where she pushed me out. She pushed me out the front door and would not let me back in. I had keys to the apartment, but she bolted the front door. I could not get back in. I left the apartment. I walked across the street to a Dunkin' Donuts and got coffee and went back and tried again. 
to see if she would let me into the apartment. But at that point, uh, she she would not open the front door or even acknowledge uh, that I was there. So I decided I would go home. Uh, I would go back to New Jersey and wait for her to cool off. Well, I got back to New Jersey and... Uh, I called her and called her and uh, she wouldn't return my calls. And then finally uh, she called me and I got on the phone with her and she told me that she wanted to get a divorce. And I told her that I didn't want to get a divorce. And I think I said, I believe we have some things that we need to work on. She hung up the phone. That was the last I ever spoke to her. Uh I'm not 100% sure of the timeline of all of this. I think an entire day went by, and then the next day, this situation really started bothering me, and I wanted to know what was going on with her. Where, where, where was she, short of driving to Manhattan and having her not let me in the apartment again? So I called her friend. I called her friend Lara. Uh, Lara was actually the lady whose uh, bachelorette party she was uh, attending. And Lara uh, worked near Cindy's apartment and said, well, you know, when I get off of work at 630, I'll go over there. I'll see what's going on. She had keys. She also had keys to the apartment. So she uh, around six o'clock, I took a nap and I'm taking a nap and I have this dream. And the dream is that me and Cindy and my cat Mojo, who's still alive, uh, but he was a kitten then, that we're sitting on a couch. And uh, Cindy says to me in the dream, everything's going to be okay. And I was woken from that dream by the phone ringing, and on the phone was Lara. And she said, nobody's answering the door here. And she said, I'm, I'm, I'm scared. So I said, call 911. So Lara calls 911. And uh, about 15 minutes later, calls me back. And she said, there's, uh, you know, she said the, the EMTs had got there, the the, the, I believe, fire department broke the door down. And, uh, you know, Lara tells me one of the EMTs wants to talk to you. So they put the EMT on the phone, and the EMT says to me, it doesn't look good. And about a few minutes later, Lara got on the phone and said she is deceased. So... At this point, the po- I had to go into Manhattan now because the police wanted to talk to me. So I didn't want to go by myself. I called my, my parents, and uh, I could not reach them. I remember I, I, I tried I, – I drove part of the way there. I drove all the way to the uh, – to that rest stop on the Garden State Parkway, right where the uh, right where the bridge is that goes over Raritan River, I tried calling mm-hmm. my dad again, and there was no, uh, you know, there was no answer. He was so. 
in any event, I get there and, you know, there's all matters of, you know, there's the EMTs are there. The police are there. There's an ambulance there. The fire department was there. And uh, they told I, I went up the stairs, but I didn't go. She was on the third floor. I didn't go into the apartment. Uh, Lara was there. Her fiance was there. Uh, I talked to the police. The police said, you know, they didn't find a suicide note. Uh, and what, uh, they asked me if she had a, had she ever tried anything like this before. I, I said she had. They're actually very nice to me. Uh, and they told me that I probably didn't want to see the body because she had probably been dead for at least a day. Um uh. uh, I didn't want to see the body anyway. Um, and then they told me that they're, you know, somebody tells me at this point, you know, we're, we're, we're going to put her on the stretcher and we're going to take her out of the apartment. And uh, I did not want to see that. And I remember I walked around the corner uh, where there was this uh, little Indian restaurant that was really popular. It was new. Excuse me. It was new, and there was always a big crowd in front of it. There was always people waiting to get in this place. And I was looking at them, at the people standing in the line and, 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 and how happy they looked to be going out to eat and thinking, like, what a freaking horror show is this, you know? And, uh, well, at this point, they, 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 they took her out of the apartment and uh, – at that point, I got my father on the phone, and I remember I said, you know, Cindy's dead. And I, he just said, wow. Uh, which, by the way, John, was the exact thing he said when I told him your father died. It was the exact same thing. Mm. Anyway, uh, uh, he said, I want to talk to Lara. So I gave the phone to Lara, and I heard him on the phone with Lara, and... And my father says to Lara, he said, don't let him drive a car. He said, don't let him drive home. So they drove me home. Lara and Michael. Hmm. And, you know, on the way home, I'm like, well, I'm going to tell people this happened. Uh, I, I, you know, I just, I, I, I just immediately felt as though I, I had to start do, I had to do something. I had to tell people this happened. And, uh, I called, I called my mother-in-law and told her that her daughter was dead. Oh, and that God. is probably the worst thing I ever had to do in my life was <sighs> I had to tell, I had to tell a mother that, uh, that her daughter was dead. And, uh, yeah, that was pretty awful. And, uh, I can't remember anymore who exactly i called i remember i called my friend susan we eventually you know we got to my parents house and lara or fiance michael and me were were sitting around in my parents living room and i remember around midnight my friend susan who i called showed up and i was one who always thought one of the nicest things anybody ever did for me uh she didn't even know where my father lived uh, it, 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 you know, and she showed up in the middle of the night and it, it, I, I, I remember she said to me, she said, uh, Stuart, 
she goes, it can't get much worse than this. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I'm, you know, in a lot of ways, I mean, look, it was, uh, I mean, what it was, it was a horror show. You, you know, I, I, I've listened to all three on the podcast and I, I said, you know, there was no suicide note. They, 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 she didn't leave a suicide note. Uh, there was a blood toxicology that was done though. And, uh, I remember Gerard, you said that, uh, you know, that when you got to the hospital, they, you know, thought your father could still be viable. He could still survive right. this. Mm-hmm. And you said, you know, then I, I don't remember the exact test. You said they did a test and yeah. the test showed that he was so busted up inside right. and I could hear how emotional you got. Yeah. That's what I felt like when I read this blood toxicology. Yeah. Well, she took every pill in the pill cabinet. Wow. Oh my gosh. And, uh, and uh yeah so wow. you know here uh it, you know at this point uh you know i mean my my life is is, is a horror show mm-hmm. I, I i had never envisioned suffering like this and uh i remember i would wake up at night and I felt like somebody was people. I felt like I was being stabbed with knives. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, 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 I realized I was 40 years. I, I was 41 when this happened. Something like that. I was 41. I was 42. I'm not exactly sure how old I was. I was still pretty young. And I remember thinking to myself, I understand now why, you know, when you see the elderly and one spouse dies and the other one dies, because this could kill you. Sure. The, yeah. I, I mean, you know, the volume of, of, of pain, you know, that, that, that this could kill somebody. And uh, I, I had this, I remember right around the time she died, I had this dream uh, in my apartment in Lakewood. I, I dreamt, uh, I woke up and... Uh, well, this is the dream. I woke up and she's right there in bed next to me. Mm. And I was like, oh, my God. I was like, you're still alive. She's still alive. And uh, I'm going to go now into the living room and I'm going to call everybody and I'm going to tell them that she's still alive. And so we get out of the bedroom and we walk to and we walk into the living room. She says, wait a second, I have to go to the bathroom. And uh, I go, I go into the living room, and she doesn't come into the living room. So I go, I look for her in the bathroom, and she's not in there. She's gone. Yeah. And, and uh, it, so it, 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 you know, I, I, you know, it's like something like this that happens to you, and like, what, what do people do for you? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, what are they supposed to do for you? I, I, I don't know. I, uh, I went to a doctor and the doctor gave me Xanax, which, by the way, does did absolutely nothing for me. I don't even understand why anyway, it takes this stuff. It just made me talk. <laughs> it, it just made me tired. Just made you tired. Yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> it just, I, I, I just felt like now I'm like really miserable. But um, there's like I'm in this weird malaise from taking Xanax. <laughs> You well, know, no like, help at it's, all. It's it's it's, it's kind of like you have a hangover all day. I, yeah. I 
I, I, I did not get the Xanax. Uh, so I went into therapy and uh, I, you know, I, I, I don't know how I lucked into this because I had been to therapy before and I just lucked into, I found like this woman was the most, is one of the most amazing people I ever met in my life, the therapist, uh, you know, her name, her, uh, uh, Judy. And I remember I said to her, like in the first session, I said, you know, is this going to get better? And she said, absolutely. You know, she said, this, this, this will get better. And, uh, and, and, and it did. Uh, and, and I, I'd say too, there were numerous people who helped me, uh, through this time, uh, uh, John, John and Marie both, uh, really tried to you know to spend time with me and stay in touch with me and uh, you know they, they made me go out and do things and i you know i appreciate that my my, my, my parents this was this was very difficult on my parents and yeah. they they were as supportive i think as they could be uh my friend dawn who's been a friend since college uh, and I, 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 certainly my friend Susan, the lady who showed up in the, in the middle of the night, she used to call me every day. Uh, yeah. And Cindy's brother, Paul, who I did not even really know when we were married. I mean, I certainly knew who Paul was. I'd met Paul, but I really got to know Paul uh, after Cindy's death. And they actually had me up to Vermont where they live. And I spent time with their family. And he's just one of the great people uh i've ever met uh in my life and uh i went back to work right away i I went back to work in september uh in retrospect i'm not sure how i did that either but i did it i i I, you know what i guess it was kind of like i can sit around at home and be miserable or i can go to work and be miserable i'm gonna go to work and be miserable and uh i actually won a um I won a teacher of the. I won my second teacher of the year award that uh, that year. Wow. Uh, I had my name uh, uh, read in the New Jersey State Legislature hmm. as a teacher of the year. It was the second time. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, I got this. And you know, one of the other things I I I, I thought about uh, because I listened to all the other uh, podcasts. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, John, you know, and, uh, you talked about how, you know, you weren't going to be mad at this kid who ran into your dad's car. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I remember years in Sarah, I, I, I was not going to be mad at Cindy for doing this. And, uh, I'm not mad at her for doing it. And I thought that, you know, she fought a very brave fight for as long as she could. And I think, you know, that she fought as long and as hard with this as she could. She fought as long and as hard as anybody who has any terrible disease, be it cancer or leukemia or any of these things that kill you, Mm -hmm. you know. But in the end, you know, this did, you know, you know, it killed her at the end. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I, I, I believe that she fought as long and as and as hard with it as she could. Uh, and my therapist said that to me uh, 
you know, at the uh, near, near the end of therapy, she said she said it uh, to me. She said she thought I was it was remarkable. She said that I said that to her the first time I went in. She said, because that's not people's reaction to something like this. Uh, you know, people have a lot of anger. I'm not saying I didn't have any anger against her either. I mean, I did, but I I chose very early on. Uh, you know, that I'm going to forgive her for, you know, for doing this. And, you know, too, I mean, I think, too, you know, one of the reasons I wanted, wanted, you know, I'm glad you guys let me come on is I I do believe there is a stigma attached to suicide. Mm -hmm. People think it's the easy way out, all these things. That that, that, that is 100% not the truth. If you think that, you never lived with someone who did it. And uh, you got to be in some major freaking pain to do this stuff. Of course. And, uh, you know, that's one of the things that I learned through this unfortunate journey. Uh, Right around the time that I ended, that the therapy ended, you know, my my sole uh, knowledge of, uh, you know, the... uh, whatever the code of conduct is between a therapist and her patients I got from watching the Sopranos. <laughs> I, 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 I remembered that, uh, you know, doc, Tony tried buying Dr. Melfi a cup of coffee and she told him that she couldn't accept it. So yeah. I, I, I never asked her anything about her life and I don't know how this came up. I knew she had children. Uh, I thought she was divorced uh, she was not divorced. And at the very end, I learned that my therapist, Judy, her husband died about three months before Cindy died. Okay. And he, he had died of pancreatic cancer. So, okay. you know, I went through this whole process with, 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 with her and, uh, you know, without realizing, you know, she is suffering through the same thing that, uh, that I am suffering through yeah. here. So... Wow. That's amazing. The timing. Just, yeah. Just, that's such a sad and heartbreaking story, man. I mean, I, I, I regret that I, I never had the pleasure of, of knowing her. And, oh. Because I never even met her, right? No, you didn't. I but I, I actually, I had made some things I wanted to say, and I didn't say mm-hmm. everything. But one of the things I wanted to say was back then, I did really appreciate that you went to her memorial service. That meant a great deal to me. Oh, oh well, of course. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I actually I had that in here, and then I, mm-hmm. I, I didn't read it. But that is the truth. I, I, yeah. I really appreciated that you showed up to that. So, oh, thank yeah. you. Of, of course. Yeah. You know, we, even yeah. at that point, we had known yeah. each other for quite a while. You know, so of course I wanted to be there for you. Oh boy. Uh, so I guess, uh, if anybody got anything, uh, I mean, I do, but John, did you want to start or if Stu, if you were, if you, if you had more to say, Stu, go ahead. No, that's, that's it. Okay. John, did you want to jump in? I, 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 I definitely wanted to just tack on, you know, Stu's remarks about how that, um, the perception of, a, a mental disease is is no different than that of a physical disease that there shouldn't be a stigma that mm-hmm. it's just the same as if you right. had had um if you'd had cancer or have had a stroke or have had some sort of uh, physical disease that there shouldn't be a stigma that it's the same a disease is a disease whatever it is if it's alcoholism or if it's drug addiction 
or if it's whatever it is, a disease is a disease, you know, and, and yeah. how, whatever way you look at it. Of course. Right. Yes. Yeah. Oh, and it's, it's a terrible one. Um, you know, we, we, the three of us who have told our stories prior to yours too, you know, we've experienced, you know, as we all have, you know, death has come into our lives uh, by natural causes uh, and in the stories that we told uh, illnesses and accidents. And now uh, this is something completely different when, you know, it comes to uh, suicide or, you know, even murder, you know, these, these, uh, they fit into a, a little bit of a different category. And uh, I was, I was just wondering, like, did she ever talk with you before about feeling that bad about life? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. No, she'd had numerous suicide attempts before this. Yeah. Oh, and, wow. uh, you know, it's, uh, I, I, I mentioned she was a writer mm-hmm. and she writes, she wrote a novel that was like somewhat autobiographical, mm-hmm. but at the beginning she talks about like as a very small child she had fantasies about suicide her father committed suicide Mm -hmm. and her uncle committed suicide her mother's brother committed suicide Mm -hmm. it's look i don't have a chart here but i've read about this if you have a parent who did it if somebody in your family did it your the odds of you doing it go way way up yes i was just thinking that yeah yeah i don't have the numbers yeah but it's pretty remarkable how high yeah, like you said, that the chances go up. I mean, it, it, scary. It, it was like, like I was telling you guys, like before we started this, I, I, I you know, I couldn't go into the minutia of this because it, it's just too much. But I mean, mm-hmm. you know, Cindy's story is another one. It's like you could, you could, you could do it. You could do a series of podcasts on Cindy's story and just the crazy stuff that happened to her and the crazy abuse that she endured as mm. a girl. Jeez. She she endured a lot of abuse as a girl, as a as a as a kid. So That's yeah. Horrible. No, I'm sorry. I'm sure we're we're all you know feeling that that same thing in our stomachs right now. I'm sure of it. The uh, famous writer Kurt Vonnegut, his mother committed suicide, and he always used to write in his nonfiction works that his whole life he was afraid that he was going to commit suicide because his mother had. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Right. I'm so sorry yeah. that you went through that. I, I mean, I know you say you were older, um, but 40 to me is pretty young. In fact, young I think now. it's very young. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I, and you were only married for 14 months. Oh, yeah. gosh. I'm so sorry that you went through that. Yeah. And, and I'm sorry that she went through all the things that she did too. Because I know, I just know that, you have to be in a, a really dark place to go there to, to actually just want to literally end it all. And so I can't even imagine what she was going through at that point. Um, wow. Yeah. I mean, one, one of the things I, I didn't get into in this, cause like I said, I didn't want to make it too complicated, but what happened mm-hmm. the, the last time I saw her when she pushed me out the front door, well, right. the same exact thing happened about two weeks before that. Oh. And, uh, I believe that was the mm-hmm. dress rehearsal. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, what happened that time was it's almost the exact same thing. She decided she was really angry over something that I can't even remember what it was. Mm -hmm. And uh, to push you away. And but this time it ended to see that this other time what happened was, again, I'm like, I'm going to go home the night she died. I had a car with me. I mean, the, the time I was there when, you know, she threw me out that time, I, I had a car. Mm-hmm. This time I didn't, and I had to walk to Penn Station. When I got to Penn Station, she called me, and she said on the phone, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Please come back. Please mm-hmm. come back. That was the first time, like, yeah, that said, was, two weeks yeah, prior? That was two weeks before, yeah. Wow. Yeah, she, and, and oh my you know, gosh. yeah, she was like, please come back. I'm so sorry I did that. Mm. Mm. Wow. Oh, boy. I could see where you would think that. That makes sense. Oh, oh. oh the poor girl. You know, your, your heart just breaks for somebody. You know, I just wish uh, I wish I could just, you know, go back in time and give her a hug or something. You know, I mean, yeah. not that it would have changed anything necessarily, but just to know that. She was loved. She was, yeah, you know, cared I, for, even by someone that didn't know her. I mean, you know, I, just... yeah. I mean, I, I know Gerard. You, you talked about too. You know, you felt guilty. I, I felt guilty too. I mean, yeah. I'm like, you know, could you have done something different? You should have right. stayed with her. You shouldn't have left. Yeah. Well, let me tell you something. None of this was easy on me either. This no. was not easy on me. That no, was one of the not. reasons. That was one of the reasons I, I I left the apartment that day. Was you know I'm like just done with this for a little while. You know. Yeah. Uh, I don't blame you. Yeah. You know you 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 need some time to cool off. And uh, you know I felt guilty about that. You know if you right. I do not feel guilty about that now. But Good. at the time Good. I you did. Shouldn't. Yeah. And at the time I felt you know if you if you could have done something you you shouldn't have left her. She wouldn't let you in, though. No, she wouldn't let me in. But the whole thing, you know, there's nothing, you know, eventually one of the things that Judy told me was, she said, you know what? If somebody wants to kill themselves badly enough, eventually they're going to do it. Right. That's true. Mm -hmm. So, 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 yeah, but I mean, I I understood what you were saying. You felt guilty about, you know, what happened to your parents. I mean, what could you have done about that? Yeah, there's nothing. But, 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 but it's not, it's not, it's not how you think when you're confronted with this stuff. Oh, of course not. Yeah, because yeah, like you said, there's there's just such a volume of emotion going through you. This is all new territory to you. You don't know yes. what to do or think. Mm-hmm. And sure, some things that really shouldn't be fitting in happen to start falling into place, like feelings of guilt. I could have done something. What else could I have done? Was I a good enough son? Was I a good enough husband? All that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Yeah. Wow. John, did you have uh, anything else you wanted to add? No, I, I think just uh, I wanted to thank you, Stu, for coming on today and uh, telling, uh, venting your spleen like this yeah. and really exposing yourself, um, telling such a heart-wrenching story and uh, hopefully helping our <laughs> listeners <laughs> yeah. to um, understand that you can't yeah. move from such a excruciating situation. You know, as you said, uh, feeling like, uh, yes. you know, th- that you were just being beaten up uh 100% of the time then you but you've been able to move on through uh therapy through family through friends through uh time and understanding and that you were able to move past your grief and that's what what that's what we're all about here on this podcast yeah. is moving past your grief yeah well you know i i, I remember when it, when this happened uh i said to 
my friend Susan, I said, you know, well, you know, what is what is the point of having this happen to you? And she said, well, you know, maybe you'll be able to help somebody who it's happened. It's happened Mm. to them. But uh, I I think I mean, I thank you for letting me come on. Uh, Oh, we appreciate you coming. uh, I because when you know I, I tell you I listened to all your stories they, they were they were all fascinating yeah. uh, and um, you know and when John when you brought up this the subject and I said well yeah I could go on I, I would want to talk about Cindy and I uh, you know I started kind of like taking notes on it last <laughs> night <laughs> I looked at my wife and I said you know I don't know if I want to do this now, but I'm very, gl- I'm, but I'm very glad yes, that I did. We are too. Thank you. But I'm we very too. glad that I did. I'm very glad yeah, that I thank did. Thank you. So thank Good. you for letting me come on. Okay. Well, you're welcome, Stu. And yeah. thank you because that is a really difficult story to have to tell. Yeah. Uh, this, that kind of thing stays with you forever. Um, but again, like John said, you know, through all the work you, you've done, you know, you, you've moved, you know, with your family and your friends, you've, you've moved uh, past the grief. And uh, that's just another another example to our listeners, you know, of someone, uh, you know, working uh, in whatever way they have to in order to get past such a terrible tragedy. And we encourage everyone to do the same. So, uh, Stu, again, thank you for showing the bravery to, to tell that difficult story. And um the From Grief to Greatness crew will be back again soon, and uh, we will be moving into our uh, regular kind of format, and we will probably be having more guests on the show as time goes on. So thank you to our listeners, and we will see you again soon.